Welcome to another episode of the Wholesale Elite Podcast. I am Aisham Hipsher, joined by my main man, Mr. Tanner Santucci. What's up, dude? Let's get it going, man. I'm excited for this episode. Yes, me too. This is a get, guys. Um, if you're not looking at the screen and you're just listening, um, we have a gentleman who I'm sure you've heard of. Um, if you're in the Astro community, if you're in the PBJ community, um, if you've listened to Wholesale Inc., odds are you've probably heard this gentleman's name. Um, we're joined none other, um, or we're joined by none other than the land shark himself, Mr. Brent Bowers. What's up, dude? Guys, I, I'm like honored here. You know, you're like pumping me up. My, my head just got so much bigger. Um, I'm excited now. This has been a great day so far. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's it, when we reached, reached out and you graciously said you would, you would be on. I mean, we legitimately, Tanner and I celebrated. Like, I wish I could show our text like, dude, we got it. This is awesome. So, man, we're, we're happy to bring uh, a ton of value to the listeners and to the viewers um, of, of our podcast. And I would like to start off, man, by uh, you just kind of giving a little rundown of your backstory you know I, I i know you spent some time in the army um and then you know you eventually transitioned to real estate but i'd like to go a little deeper man i'd like to know a little bit more about your origin story where you're from who is this entrepreneur that's on the screen and that we're listening to right now where'd you start take it oh, away uh, well i wasn't preparing to cry for this episode but, uh, <laughs> no, I, I grew up in a, in a small town called Okeechobee, Florida, our biggest our biggest producer of income is feeder calves, um, basically mm. cattle. Um, so went to a small high school. You know, it was that awkward, you know, kid growing up. And you know, I, I remember my dad used to pick me up from daycare, and my parents were absolute hard hardworking people. Um, I never, my dad never missed a day of work. My mom would work all day and then come home and cook dinner for us. I don't even know how she did it and still kept the house clean. Um, but, you know, growing up, like to going back to my dad picking me up from daycare, some of the earliest memories, like we'd hear that old car coming for miles away because it was like there was like no <laughs> exhaust pipe. We'd get in and this is back before car seats and stuff. Um, not I mean, I'm not super old, but, uh, you know, but uh we would drop beer cans right out of the floorboard in the car. Like we'd have to lift the floor mat and just drop, oh, drop it right in the road. Um, so growing up, I'm like, you know, one day I'm going to be rich. Like, mm. you know, and I will say I was a little embarrassed of that car. <laughs> um, sure. And, but we had, we always, me and my sister always had everything we ever needed. So I got that background. My parents are still together today. Uh, high school sweethearts. That's success in my eyes. Uh, we were just camping out on my parents' property that they worked so hard to get. They built a, a nice house on 21 acres, and they had nice. five of their grandchildren running around this weekend while we were out there camping in their woods. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of how I grew up. I, I had I started a lawn service in uh, middle school. I borrowed the neighbor's mower to mow someone else's lawn and then got my real estate license um, in 2007, bought that first rental property in 2007, 2008 happened for me. Um, I got my teeth kicked in, uh, as far as like in the market, um, it was just, I was getting beat up. So I went from business owner, real estate agent, rental property, married to moving in and my, uh, wife's parents house, my in-laws house, 900 square foot house, you know, Oof. four adults, one child. Oof. Um, cause I couldn't pay my rent anymore. And I was super humbled. 
Uh, so I was like, hey, what's an easier career path than real estate? So I joined the military um, because I was thinking, I'll, I'll go back to school and reset. Well, I reset. Oh. All right. Um, <laughs> a couple of combat deployments to Afghanistan. Finally, 2013, the army pulls me out of Afghanistan um, and sends me to college. And I start house hacking and then I start wholesaling houses. Uh, just like, I mean, I'm honored to be on the Wholesaling Elite podcast. Um, I start wholesaling houses to pay for college courses um, at Florida Tech. Um, and here's how I did it. I would pull up the notice of default list or the list pendants pre-foreclosure on, right. on, I think it was called, it was called something different besides PropStream back in that 2013. Um, I forget what it was. But anyhow, I would go and knock on these doors and if no one answered, I would leave a sticky note and drive away. Well, I did two wholesale deals like back to back on just a couple sticky notes. Um, wow. Then uh, that first marriage didn't work out because the, the army just had me away a lot um, on my second deployment. Um, that that ended, so I was kind of resetting in 2013. Met the woman of my dreams, uh, who I'm married to today. We have three children now, um, so we moved to Colorado Springs in about 2015 timeframe. We're married just newly pregnant and uh, the army's got me back in full swing. I'm like working 13 hour days. I can't wholesale houses anymore. It's just too much, uh, too much work. But I, I was starting to see history repeat itself with the military. Like I was working so many hours training mm. for my combat deployment, uh, living in the field. I was just like stressing out because um, I'm just tired of being away all the time. So I heard about, a guy flipping land on a podcast, just like wholesaling elite podcast. And I was like, if he can do that, I can do that. That sounds way easier than houses. So I started in early 2016, ultimately got me out of the military in 18. Uh, Cause I was making about nine grand a month and just payments on land. Um, and I haven't looked back since. Dude. Okay. So this is 2016. You said you made a decision to start flipping land. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was struggling with the wholesaling houses game. I was sending so much mail and I wasn't getting much because I didn't have time to go and build rapport with the seller. What does that even mean? It means you don't go there and try and get a contract in five minutes and leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was more or less a, a time thing when, when you gave wholesaling houses essentially because the military taken away that time. So that's ultimately why you left that behind. Is that right? Well, I got a lot of excuses. I, I sucked <laughs> at sales. Um, you know, it, it was time. It was also the follow-up I wasn't doing. There was a lot of competition for houses in Colorado mm. Springs in early 2015. Um, so I say it was a time, but it was, it was really a plethora of things. It was also mm. so competitive. I couldn't afford to send out 7,000 letters or postcards to get one deal that would maybe mm. make me $10,000. So hmm. when you pivoted to land, what was your initial strategy? Like, obviously you're not, you're, you're not going to do the same thing that you failed that, you know, you had failure with and on, on the wholesaling houses side, what did you do differently on the land side in the very beginning? Well, I like to say there was strategy. Um, I'm one of those people you give me <laughs> like, so there's two types of army officers. There's ones that write the operation order. It's like, super long things that's just so hard and there's the ones that can follow it and implement it and execute it i'm the executor i'm not the not the writer by any means i don't create gotcha. the program so i didn't really have a strategy but i had this this uh white postcard that i was sending all to all the houses and i was also mailing the tax delinquent list and i was only mailing the houses 
So I was like, wait a minute. Why don't I just mail the land that's in tax delinquent? And I thought it was a tax delinquent list, but it was actually the county held tax lien list. And let me just tell you what that means is the land sucks so bad. It was not buildable, not accessible, uh, you know, too small to build on, landlocked. And these people that are multiple years behind on their taxes and no tax lien investor is paying the back taxes. So that's why it's called the county held tax lien list. They get a letter saying, I'll buy your land call me, text me, my phone blew up and I had never seen that with houses. I, I mailed 687 letters to the, to the county held tax lien list. And the first one, the guy's like, yeah, just take the land, $285. It's yours. I'm a retired wow. CPA. I, uh, I traded it many years ago. I've been paying the back taxes, 285. It's yours. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, what's the catch? <laughs> well, I drove out there and looked at it on a weekend, had no clue what I was doing, called the real estate office. The realtor made an offer to me on the phone. Um, it actually took a couple phone calls. So I'm paraphrasing this, but she's like, she buys it for five grand on Wednesday. It's Saturday. So I go and pay the seller on Tuesday to get a quit claim deed, no title search. Like, and I'm, I'm being an idiot here. Like I already had like multiple rentals and I forgot everything I knew because I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, I'm going to buy this thing for $285 and make five grand. Well, that five grand was going to pay my my uh one of my credit cards off so that's all i was thinking about and then just so on and so on so there was no strategy <laughs> so how Underst go ahead Ashwin. oh understandable so my first when i first heard about land um probably a year ago um my initial thought i would imagine would be more like like most people you know obviously infill lots things like that and to anyone who doesn't know infill lot is like a it's a vacant plot vacant lot in a neighborhood you know it's obviously buildable usually um, but my thought was land you know I grew up kind of in an area of Florida Fort Walton Beach Florida um, that maybe is like like Okeechobee where it's you know it's kind of mixture of town and farm and you know it's just random and so when I think vacant land I either think of these big commercial spots that are millions of dollars or just this random rural stuff. Right. So you said you found, you know, in the beginning, you found this this land that was unbuildable and just all these criteria that made it less valuable. What did your buyer do with that? Like, because that, that was my concern is, man, if I lock up this piece yeah. of land, who the hell is going to buy it? Like, you know, infill lot, obviously a builder will buy it, but this random stuff, who will buy it? But you've since built a massive business, you know, acquiring the, these, the, you know, this, this type of land. Can you tell us a little bit about the mindset of what gave you the confidence to know that you could sell that land? Yeah, no, <laughs> I, that thank God for that realtor. Cause I didn't know who would buy that. And luckily I'm telling you, it was a gift from God. I got so lucky. I was leaving there, me, my wife, my newborn baby, uh, Michael Jessier, one of my army officer buddies was like, I'm going to look at this because he was in the stocks. He's like, there's, there's no way you're buying a piece of land for $285. So come with me. Um, so luckily that, cause I called that realtor and I was like, I had no clue what this is worth. It's on Lake Avenue in Palmer Lake, Colorado. She goes, oh yeah, I'm familiar with that street. Oh, great. What do you think the blowout price is? What do you think the 30-day blowout price is? I need to get it done now price because I can't leave $285. I didn't tell her what I was paying because I can't right. leave my money into this deal. I had diapers to buy. Um, like It was like expensive time for a second lieutenant that just moved across the country with a new baby, new house. Um, and I'm broke and I got to pay off Amex and Capital One. <laughs> um, 
so and i and i like i didn't even tell my wife i was getting into this land thing so she just kind of rode out there with me she kind of figured it out she's not stupid but um so there was no confidence i that's why i had to go look at it that's why i recommend people start in your own backyard like a two and a half hour radius because you're gonna be like what's the catch and when you get to this land you're like oh wow this is looking the pike national forest so that realtor goes, I don't know about the 30 day blowout price, but I think you could sell it for about 10 grand on the MLS. I was like, mm. that's all I needed to know. Thank you for her time. <laughs> I said, I'll call you back when I own it. And she calls me back while I'm trying to tell my wife what she just told me. And she goes, Hey, Brent, what if I made an offer on this land? I was like, Sure, what are you offering? She said, Five grand. And I'm a really good salesman. I was like, Send me the contract. So <laughs> I did no negotiation whatsoever. So she, she said, I'll buy it Wednesday. And I was like, you mean like four days from now? And that was it. That's what gave me the confidence. And what did she do with it? She mm. sold it later on for almost 15 grand. So she just flipped mm. it too. Um, one day, the city is going to build a uh, second ingress and egress. That's the reason why the land wasn't buildable. There was only one mm. ingress, egress, and the fire marshal would not allow allow people to build on that road well one street down they're they're selling eight hundred thousand dollar houses so mm. if you just pay ten percent of what that lands or if you sold a house for 800 if a builder paid ten percent for the land that's eighty thousand dollars for that lot the second parcel was about the same thing it was uh surrounded by state land and that one i was interested in it was actually a just a half mile down the street from norad surrounded by mountain right next to Fort Carson, Colorado. Um, and I sold that one on Craigslist for 500 down and 400 a month. And I only paid $500 for that lot land. So I got my, my security back out of it. So there's a buyer for every piece of land. Um, one of my students has 20 acres in the middle of two massive ranches and uh, in the state of Texas. And like, when I say massive, like one's like 6,000 acres, one's like 8,000. So that's probably Ooh. not that big for, for Texas, honestly. Those are probably <laughs> small ranches for Texas. Right. <laughs> but he was like, what do I do with it? I've owned it for some time. No one, no one's going to want this because you don't have access. And I was like, right. you're telling me that you can have 20 acres in the middle of two massive ranches that you can hunt on or do whatever. He's like, Brent, but Brent, you'd be trespassing on private property to get to it. And it's going to cost a lot of money for access. So I was like, you think that no one like, can, can rent a helicopter? Or some people have helicopters. They can fly to their land. Like That is going to be a gold mine for somebody because I've actually been trying to buy something like that in Florida. Um, so he hasn't sold it yet, but he's getting, he's getting a ton of activity. Has <laughs> so he called the we... neighbors with the ranches? Because I feel like that would be the, the play, know. wouldn't it? Or am that's I mistaken? <laughs> that's, the, that's the first people I would call. Absolutely. Right. The neighbors always want to want to buy the land that's next to them. And I shouldn't say always, but they will if you give them a deal or you offer them seller financing, or maybe they've been trying to figure out how to buy it for years, but just never took the time to figure it out. Hmm. Brent, before we dive into the, the, you know, a little more nuts and bolts, I wanted to kind of, I guess, put a little, um, I guess, you know, listener beware out there. Um, because, you know, as we were talking about a little bit before we hit the record button, you know, um, wholesalers, especially in their infancy, can can really easily get shiny object syndrome, you know, and, um, you know, thankfully, 
when when I started, I heard about land, but I took some time to kind of learn more about it because <laughs> everything I heard was it's easy, it's easier, it's easier. And I'm like, well, no, I'm going to go do this thing that's that's harder and sexier, you know, because <laughs> the flipping houses and all that just it was sexy to me. You know, I, I like the idea of looking at real estate and transforming it and whatnot. Um, but, you know, as we said in the podcast uh, a few episodes ago, Tanner and I pivoted our business to land, but not for the reasons of it being easier, more so it met our end goal. Like we want to get into development, residential and commercial development and understanding land and really getting good at acquiring it just made more sense to us. So that's why we made the pivot. But can you talk a little bit to maybe newer wholesalers who who maybe don't know much or maybe are impressionable? about the difference between wholesaling land, you know, the pluses and the minuses versus, uh, you know, real property. Yeah, I'll say some pluses is, you know, where it was taking me almost 7,000 postcards to get a deal. I was getting deals, a couple deals, you know, three deals on say a thousand letters or postcards. And you know, where I was making maybe 5,500 to 7,500 by wholesaling a house. And my, my spreads got bigger as I got more buyers on the house wholesaling. Right. And we started changing things around and trying to get the highest offer. But that really pissed a lot of people off. Right. Like there was mm -hmm. some very aggravated house flippers with me <laughs> when they realized like they were paying like 20 grand over what I got the property under contract for. But <laughs> right. the land, less competition still mm -hmm. making a pretty good spread um, and, you know, same anywhere from eight to $10,000. So sometimes bigger spreads. And it was almost like I became like an order taker for a little while. You know, these whole, right. I'm sorry, these, these developers, like, like you guys are going to be builders. They started telling me like, look, you find an acre in this area, I'll take it. Right. Um, and they told me their price. And most of the time it was a hundred cents on the dollar. It was retail. Um, mm -hmm. Now, granted, that that's has slowed down a little bit with in certain areas, not all areas, um, because builders are slowing down a little bit on building. But here's the thing. You're always going to have that retail buyer that wants to one day maybe build that house or get have that cabin or that land to go and uh, do some recreation stuff on. Right. Um, so that's one of the difference between wholesaling houses and land. Um, another thing is. I haven't, I wasn't having to go and sit on a dirty, stinky couch that a cat had just peed on that week <laughs> to negotiate uh, for this piece of land. A lot of that, it's all over the phone. Like that sure. CPA and that, that first and that second land seller was like the only ones I ever met. Now, the rest started became coming over the phone and text message or, Hey, what's even better. They send my purchase agreement that I, I mail them and they sign it and they send it right back to me. And I can look at the land and figure out if I want to offer less or get it. So houses was never like that. And another psychology of the house, like just put yourself in this picture. Like these people lived here for 25 years. They raised their family. They never painted the walls. They barely vacuumed the carpets, but they're always, they, they heard for all these years, your land, I'm sorry, your house is your investment, your number one investment. Right. And Robert Kiyosaki's like, no, it's not. <laughs> um, but what do investments do? They increase in value. So yeah, I lived here for 25 years. We never even painted once and the water heaters on this last leg, but I should make a million bucks for this house. And it is hard to convince someone to sell their house 
at a discount. And I know the whole entire audience is like, Brent, if you believe that, it is hard. We get deals every day. Yes, there's still deals out there. You talk to enough people, you're going you're gonna to get a deal. We're, we're deal finders, not deal creators as wholesalers. Right. But land, it's like they inherited it. They've been paying the taxes for 20-something years, and they just want to recoup some of that money because they bought this land in Colorado 15 years ago, and they were going to build a cabin on it. But life happened for them. They had babies, and those babies had babies. Now they're paying for college for three of their grandchildren. And right. They've decided not to build that cabin. And they get this letter one day, and it's like, you know what, honey? Let's get rid of this. Right. So right. Let's, let's talk about that then real quick. Let's, how exactly are on these purchase agreements that you're sending via mail, how are you determining a value, or how are you getting a number to them if you haven't even really seen or talked to the seller in terms of what the lot's like, is there utilities on down the line? So how are you coming up with an offer price? All right, this is where we're going to lose all half your listeners because this, okay, <laughs> this is where we got to go to work. Okay, so I'll put the kids to bed and I'll go to, like you mentioned, I think Fort Walton Beach, Florida. So let's just say I live in Fort Walton Beach and I'm going to go on Zillow or Redfin, whichever, whichever you prefer. I like Redfin in some areas and Zillow in other areas just depends sure. what data it's pulling. So I'm going to go Fort Walton beach on Redfin and then I'm going to hit the solds and then I want to see the land solds. And then I want to see like in the last seven days. And then I'm going to go back and exit out that Fort Walton beach. Cause I want to remove that boundary. I want to see Fort Walton beach and all the surroundings. All right. Not much has happened in seven days. Let's go 30 days. Oh, wow. There's a lot of red dots. There's a lot of solds. And now I'm looking for the cluster pattern. Like when we're, you know, sighting in our gun or our bow and arrow, uh, you see the bullseye. I'm looking for like several solds close to each other because that's going to show me little pockets or neighborhoods that are in demand. I'm getting micro with this. Like people are like, I mailed the whole entire county. You're wasting a lot of money. Sure. I like to walk it in. Like I like to walk it in and then I'll eventually mail the whole county. So Figure out where that area of demand is. And now we're going to click on every one of those and we're going to see what the sold price is. And then we're going to see how big it is, square foot or acres. And then there's one more thing. The third thing I want to see, and I want to see who listed it and who it was bought by. If you don't see that, if you scroll down and you don't see that, that means it probably traded off the MLS. No realtor was involved. But that is very right. important because if you copy and paste those realtors that it was, was bought by and listed by, now you're going to see the land specialist realtors out there. You're going to see the guy that keeps popping up. You know, Bill Black keeps popping up. He is the mm. man when it comes to this neighborhood. So, all right, going back to the price and the square foot, let's say nine out of 10 of those are 10,000 square foot lots. All right. So now I know the, the, the we call them like hot zip codes in wholesaling. We now right. know the hot zip code. We also know the in-demand parcel size. And then it's like all nine of those were 10,000 square foot lots or anywhere from 9,000 to, to 11,000 square foot lots. Apple, Apple comparison. I'm going to add the, the price up for all nine of those. And then I'm going to divide it by nine. And now I know the average price per square foot. You know, and it's really easy if you do this on an Excel spreadsheet because like you can select them all and hit average and divide the average square foot by the average prices. Now you know that it's trading for about $3 a square foot. When I say trading, I mean selling. Sure. All right. <clears throat> so now that lot's about a hundred grand. The average lot's selling for about a hundred grand in this area. And I'm just making these numbers up really round. I'm not familiar with Fort Walton Beach and stop me at any time. <laughs> so good. I want to make $10,000 per land deal. Let's just say that's what I want to make. 
And then my buyer is going to want a $10,000 discount, right? So I can sell it quick. If I'm going to list something, if everything else is listed for 101, 103, 104, I want to be that guy that's listed at 91. Cause that's, right. they're going to pick my land first. Cause that's not a house compared to, okay, this one's got a pool. This one doesn't No, it's land. Right. It's all got trees, blah, blah, blah. Um, so now I see that they're selling for about a hundred thousand dollars average. I want to make 10 grand. So, all right, I need to offer 90. My buyer needs a $10,000 discount. So I need to offer 80. My realtor is going to charge me about 6%. Let's just say 10% for round numbers. So now I need to offer 70. All right, we're going to have closing costs and title, blah, blah, title fees, insurance. Let's just figure another 2,000. So we're at like 68,000. Well, 68,000 divided by 100, that's 68 cents on the dollar. So now I see it's trading for $3 a square foot. I can multiply that times 68 cents. I don't know what that equation is, $1.60 or something like that. It's what I'm going to offer per square foot. And I blast out my letters just like that. And if anybody wants to copy that letter, go to thelandsharks.com forward slash L-O-L as in land offer letter or laugh out loud because you just got a deal. Love that. Dude, when I heard uh, when I heard you on a uh, Wholesale Elite podcast a little while ago, it was the first time I'd heard of the LOL, the land offer letter, and <laughs> I was blown away. I the fact that that someone that you would mail an offer out to someone without even talking to them, and they would mail it back signed, like deal oh, yeah. done. I'm like, holy shit! Like, really? That's that's how easy it can be done in land. It still um, surprises then, me. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy the lack of emotion that's that's involved there. It's purely transactional. I mean, sometimes they'll call and be like, "Are you effing kidding me? I would never sell you this." I mean, but sometimes those they'll call the and say, "Are you serious? Like, I need I, was that Tanner?" I said those are the best. Yeah, <laughs> right, of keep going. Yeah, I was getting I was getting it handed to me a couple of days ago. I still find it fun to put my own phone number on these uh, land offer letters from, from time to time and. This lady's like, I would never sell you or I would never buy anything from you. And I was having fun with her at this point because she was pissed. And I was like, I'm going to make her day better. I'm going to make her laugh. And she's like, how dare you put that you're a veteran? You're a disgrace. You're a piece of blah, 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 blah. And she goes, I would never, I would never buy anything from you. And I'm like, man, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I want to buy it from you. <laughs> so She hung up and I called her back twice and she, she didn't take my calls anymore. But those are fun. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought you, I thought the double dial uh, worked. So the landsharks. It does usually. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, Landsharks.com forward slash lol, and that's where uh, you guys can get a uh, the free copy of uh, Brent's land offer letter. Um, how many of those do you think you've sent out so far? Oh man, I have no clue. Jeez, uh, I send. I've been sending about five hundred a week consistent since about 2016 so i'd have to do the math on that we send on christmas we send on new year's we send on thanksgiving and easter um people are always like oh don't you take a break during the holidays no because most people do so we keep sending it because that's when Absolutely. i want my letter to squeeze on in um, which yep. is not that they're getting a lot of land offer letters but uh some areas it is a little competitive that's why i put the veteran on there my dad like he's like I know the sheriff. Here's his name. Call him to get a reference. My dad will handwrite his uh, envelopes, put his return uh, address on there from like Wounded Warrior, how they give you those free return addresses right. if you donate. 
and then he'll put the stamp on there a little crooked and he's he's Smart. crazy like he could send out 50 or 60 of these and get a deal what are all the different marketing methods so you've, you've got lynn offer letters i believe you said like postcards what else do you guys do yeah i love the postcards for when it's like not homogenous and it's like this one's selling for 150, this one's selling for $18 million, this one's selling for uh, 400,000, then I'll send a postcard and it's super gotcha. simple. It's the, we call it the handwritten postcard. Um, if you go to the landsharks.com forward slash postcard, I'll email it to you. Hmm. Perfect. So tell us about now, most people that have listened to you kind of, they know your, I want to say they more or less know your strategy and what you, you know, you sell or finance these lots for the most part, right? Because so tell us on how you got into kind of going, picking that as your niche rather than, you yeah. know, maybe traditional wholesale. And you, I'm assuming you probably still traditional wholesale lots, but it seems like oh, yeah. your niche is that seller finance. So tell us a little bit how you got into that. And what, what led you down that, that road? Yeah. That second deal I talked about that 4.97 acres that I trespassed on state land to get to, to take the photos. You only have to do it once to get the photos. The, the state park, <laughs> the state park guy caught me. And I was like, look, I own land right back here. And he goes, well, it doesn't matter. You can't come across state land to get to it. Um, so I took the photos and the video. I couldn't put the video on Craigslist, but I put the, the photos and I was like 500 down, 400 a month. I only sold that one for 5,000 as well, but I bought it for 500. Um, and I explained, you know, no access, must call an ingress, egress attorney, reach out to a title company. You're going to spend a lot of money to get access. And when he does, which I think he did, the land's worth a lot, a lot of money. Um, so that was out of fear. I figured that out out of fear because I didn't want to leave my 500 bucks into it. Um, and it's cool. I, I actually got actual turkeys in the, in my picture. So this guy was a turkey hunter. Oh, That's nice. so random and strange. I posted it on Saturday night. He brought me the money on Sunday. I, he used to, he would come to my house wow. once a month and bring me cash. Um, but that one changed my mindset. Like that was my paradigm shift, like Stephen mm. Covey would say, because it covered my truck payment. And mm. like I was trying to get out of the military at this time. And I was just thinking to myself, and I remember having the conversation with Emily, my wife, and I was like, we just have to do this like 10 more times. And we are financial free, financially free because we were only spending about $4,500 a month on a second lieutenant salary. And it took me nine months to, to do that. I was right at nine months uh, of almost nine grand a month. And I wholesaled some to build my bank account back up because I kept running right. out of freaking money. Right. You know, I was getting, and I wasn't, I wasn't like, I wasn't smart enough to post this on Facebook and show what I was doing. Cause I was, I shouldn't say I was not smart enough. I was hiding it because sure. army officer officers in the military, not allowed to have businesses outside of the military. Right. Um, so I was hiding what I was doing because I had an exit plan, but I, I could have raised so much dang capital. It's unbelievable. I put a post on, on, on Facebook the other day. I said, I have more land deals than what I have money to do. And I just on that one post, I think there was over a million dollars. People were like, I've got a hundred, I've got 50. And they would private message me though. Um, so now we're doing deals. I'm looking at my wall. I got one in Tennessee, one in Miami, uh, 17 in Tampa, 18 in Hawaii that I'm doing with other people's money. And we're charging 12% interest on this land. So here's a really cool thing. The, the banks have it figured out. They charge, they do these 30 year mortgages 
$200,000 right. mortgage, 6% interest. You pay back 430 grand over, over 30 years. So you're, I'm making more money in interest than I'm selling these parcels for. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. So, I mean, if you're, let's say, let's say this, say there's a new wholesaler and well, let me actually ask you this. If you're new into the land, new into the wholesaling land, what would you recommend? So in terms of, and what I mean by that is most wholesalers, I'm sure, as you know, that get into it, always say they have no money, right? They, <laughs> None of us, no one has like money. That's why we wholesale. <laughs> right? Common theme. So not so much in the seller finance terms, but in the traditional wholesale of land, what is you? what do you recommend? I mean, because what we do is reverse engineer, right? Go to the developers first, find out their build. So what do you recommend and what would you tell a newer wholesaler that wants to get into land on the best strategy to go through? Yeah, I, I say that build your bank account to twenty-five dollars or $35,000, pay off all your debt, and then start buying some of this land, you know, for $25,000 that's worth $75,000, you know, to three extra money. I did it kind of the reverse opposite way out of fear. So I, I did that first one, which was a cash flip. The second one was a seller financing. I think the third one, I assigned the contract. And the fourth one, I got under contract with a bank for 25 grand and assigned that one for uh, 38. So I started building that bank account, but I would wholesale one or two and then buy it. Wholesale one or two, then buy one. Um, and I've seen a lot of people come through the Land Sharks community that, you know, in the last 12 months, they've, they they flipped a million dollars worth of profit land, like literally made a million dollars in profit flipping. Well, here's the thing though: they didn't build up any of that cash flow where people that think on payments. Americans think on how much is it going to cost me each month. Sure, like there's trucks out there now that cost a hundred grand. Um, yeah. It's just unbelievable. Well, they're not paying cash; they're they're paying fifteen hundred a month for these trucks. You know, more than my first house payment. Um, so going back to that land sharks community member that has made a million dollars in net profit. And now they're seeing that money slow down because they were selling to these builders, like big builders. Well, they're they're One of their regrets is I wish I would have done a few more passive income deals and, and got five or 10 grand a month coming in consistently. So I'm covered, you know, that covers my marketing for the, the, the other stuff. So I like a, you know, a uh, kind of a mingle like, what's the word I'm looking for? Stagger where you do a little bit of both. Balanced. Yeah. There you go. Balanced. <laughs> it's the end of my day. <laughs> Time to go to bed. <laughs> how do you, let me ask you this then. How do you determine the value on the seller finance deals on how much you're going to ask for, you know, monthly rent essentially? Is there, do you kind of just come up with a number in your head and that sounds good or how does that no. happen? No, great question. Um, my dad and I are doing one right now. Um, the sales price is, 34,000 where he's buying it and his buyer, he's already found the buyer before he's even uh, got to the title company. So usually in our, our inspection period, we'll, we'll advertise for a buyer too. So we're not like going into this blind um, because right. the whole time is what if I can't sell this? What if I can't sell this? We still have that fear no matter what. Right. Well, he's buying it for 34,000. He's under contract. His buyer has 32,000 down. And my dad's asking uh, 40, 42,000 what the actual land is worth. And usually we wouldn't do that deal because it's not 3Xing our money, but here's why we're going to do it. It's because this guy is going to pay 32,000 down 
we've just had to put like two grand in it plus a little closing cost and we'll be profitable roughly in four months. So wow. what we, what we asked that buyer is, look, are you willing to pay all the closing costs, the title fees? So you have insurance on title insurance. That way you're protected. He's like, heck yeah, I'll pay those closing costs. Cause we, we told him the reason why he would want to pay title insurance fees, closing costs. So we, we, we painted it as this is not an expense to you, but it's a, an investment. Um, so when you build on this later on, no one can come and take it from you. Um, so we asked that seller, I'm sorry, we asked the buyer that's putting the down payment, the 32,000 down, what's an affordable monthly price for you? So mm. he told us like $450. So we take it and go to Google and go to loan calculator and put in there that he's going to have a uh, roughly a $12,000 note at 12% interest. And we plug in $500 a month and it tells us how, what the term is. That's it. Mm. So nothing too so, crazy, right? So you straight up just no. want to ask the buyer what he would be willing to pay monthly. Yeah. And usually wow. we'll put it on our website, like what we think we want. Um, and we just usually put it out there on a 30 year term. And we still ask the buyer what's an affordable monthly payment. And we'll, we'll, we'll play with the numbers. Like if, if they can only afford three ninety nine a month and we're asking four ninety nine a month, we won't let that buyer go. We'll lower the interest or increase right. the term. We won't increase it past 30 years though, just because that just seems crazy. So what kind of lot was this specifically? I mean, was this an infill? Was this one of those landlocked kind of awkward lots? What kind infill. of lot was this? Infill, infill lot. Yeah. And so I say infill. No, no. He's a private, just, I, I don't know what he does for a living. Um, Cause my dad's been uh, working with him, but he's just one of those people who has some cash can't go to a bank and get financing. And a lot of times the banks won't finance these, these lots under 50,000, but it's a buildable lot. You know, he's going to need to put a septic system and well towers at the road. And that's, it's that easy. Hmm. Well, Brent, you've got a phenomenal community uh, with the land sharks and um, you know, you've been at that for a while, dude, like you are the guy when it comes to land for sure. Let me ask you, like, we, you know, it's now the new year, 2023, what, what are some of the things that you are concerned about this year? And then some of the things you're excited about. As far as concern, um, it's concerning me that there's going to be a lot of foreclosures and land that people bought to build homes on. And I think they're a little bit too late if they haven't uh, started swinging the hammers yet, because I'm now seeing mm. developments where there's 150 homes sitting vacant brand new and it snowed in Colorado Springs. And for three weeks, there's no tracks on the snow. That's scary. That's depressing. However, that shows there's blood in the streets. And what, what does Warren Buffett do when there's blood in the streets? He's buying. buying so we're yeah. going to start seeing some deals we haven't seen in the last two years because ever since COVID and this pandemic, and it made land like the really sexy thing for people to buy. Like three years ago, it was totally a buyer's market for land. Now we're seeing these, these creative financing deals where the seller is like, look, I want 60. Okay, I can give you 60, but I'm going to have to do it in payments. Okay, mm. whatever it takes. Like, and, I, and I mean principal payments, not that's AKA 0% right. interest. What, um, so it sounds like so far you've talked about uh, you and your dad. What's your team look like? All the stuff that you've been doing, I got to know. 
Yeah. So my team is very, uh, very small. So at one time I had two acquisition managers. I only have one right now. Um, I just brought in another guy that he's kind of going through training. He's been doing amazing. So kind of two acquisition managers. Um, I have my executive assistant that helps me with the coaching business and the land business. And we're closing down our house business because we took a bath on, and you, you don't hear a lot of podcasts where people talk about the money they lost. We've right. lost a lot of money on several houses now um, because we got a little bit too big for our britches, like my, my grandmother would say. Um, so we started buying houses in areas we didn't know anything about. We bought like roughly seven houses almost 13 months ago, and we had the crews lined up to do them. We're not using any of those crews anymore. Right. <laughs> um, right. And I say crews, I mean like general contractors. Sure. Um, so, geez, I lost my train of thought where, where I was even going with that. But oh, no, my team. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And then we have Orlando. He's our land sales specialist. We are our in, in-house accountant. And that's it. So not a large team. Wow. Man. Um, awesome, what's, what, what were your, if you don't mind me asking, just like business, uh, just so the audience can get an understanding of, of the size and scope of what you do. What, what were your revenues uh, last year? Um, so I'll give you a couple numbers. We, we pull in roughly about 26 grand a month on land. Um, that's just the, for the payments um, and the coaching. It's wow. a, that's a whole nother thing. Sure. And then the houses, we, we lost money. <laughs> so gotcha. the land paid for the houses. Now mm-hmm. we're basically, so you got, here's one, one lesson I've learned. I've been throwing good money at bad for about a year now. And the good money is the land. So um, basically it works out to about 26 grand a month in payments we're receiving. That's if we don't sell or flip or wholesale a parcel of land. Right. So what do the math like 2.5 million. So, or if you, that's just gross though. So passive as well. That's not active. That's passive. That's coming in whether you do another deal or not. Exactly. That's phenomenal. That's yeah, so super inspiring. Well, dude, th- thank you so much. I mean, we a couple more questions, but definitely want to want to you know kind of land this plane. What what are some of the the freedoms that whole or that 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 flipping land um, has has brought you? Um, I'll tell you. You know, it allows me to do this from anywhere in the world. I don't, I don't go to the land anymore. I used to do it just because I was afraid. Then it turned into a hobby. And you know, when I stopped was when my wife was like, when I, I used to come home and like, Oh my God. And this was a lot of land in Colorado in the mountains. I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be the place we're going to put a cabin. And like one day she's like, how many cabins do you think we need? <laughs> and uh, So I kind of stopped going about that time. So anywhere in the world, you can do this. It gives me passive income, which is time freedom. You know, this is a lifestyle business. Could I go out there and do a lot more land deals, bigger land deals and build on this land? Yes, but that would be feeding my ego. That's why I was right. in the house business because I had a, I, I had an ego that I was feeding. I wanted a large team. I wanted to be the number one buyer in Colorado. We started buying office buildings and apartment complexes. And it's like, what in the heck? Like, <laughs> and you start getting cocky. Like anytime I get cocky, or arrogant, that's when I usually make mistakes. Mm. Um, I don't know if you guys are like that. Um, 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so virtual freedom, basically geography freedom, time freedom, 
and financial freedom. As long as I don't spend more than 26 grand a month, we're going to be fine. <laughs> so, you know, and uh, it's virtually, I think you, there's hardly any competition in this business as well. So those What's are some that? of my freedoms. Dude, that's phenomenal. Super, super inspiring. Um, is what's, what's one of the things you did more recently in your business that was out of your comfort zone? Fired people mm, that mm. were just on salary. And so for a while there, I was really focused on coaching because I was having a really good time with it. And I still am. I have more fun coaching than I do doing another land deal because land deals are boring. <laughs> However, right. boring makes money. Because sure. it's consistent, it's predictable. You know, you always hear like, dominate one marketing strategy before you move to another. Well, what does that mean? Well, right. my oldest son, he's almost seven years old. I can tell you what he's going to say during certain times of the day, when he's going to be hungry, how he's going to go to bed at night, exactly what time he's going to wake up. That is predictable analytics for my son. Well, same thing for dominating your marketing strategy. Um, if I can tell you exactly how many mailers I send out, to how many responses I'm going to get, to how many conversions, to exactly what I'm going to make. That's dominating. Now I can move to the next one. So, you know, that basically going back to that question, my fear is I focus so hard on my, my coaching and getting my students successful. I let my business coast for a while and you have to motivate your team. You've got to be that person, that, that, that leader, that visionary. I was motivating students and letting my team kind of flounder and just do whatever. So things go stale. Yeah. So I had to, was it, had to go in and clean house. <laughs> was it, was it uncomfortable firing this person because you, you knew their situation and, and whatnot, or, or was it uncomfortable because of the fear of what are they going to think about me? Are they going to bad mouth me out there? Like what, what were the fears behind that? You mentioned a couple of them. Like, what are they going to think about me? What are they going to tell other people about me? What, how are they going to feed their families? Mm. And there was so much stress that I was uh, taking like the money from the land and paying like their salaries and everything. And it's just my wife one day was like, look, you're going to sink the ship. Mm. And I'm like, gosh, why is she so wise? Like, <laughs> and everyone always asks, like, does your wife help you in the business? And I would say no, but that's not correct because she's kind of like the neutral third party. She's almost like, my therapist, which be careful treating your spouse like spouse. You need to have a therapist. Like eventually they're going to be like, look, you need to pay or get the heck out. Um, but she's like, look, you're responsible for this household. And I was about to make a decision to sink the ship just to keep paying people. Cause I was afraid mm. what they're going to think about me. I was afraid what they're going to do for income. All their husband doesn't work and it's only her. So it was actually four different people. <laughs> so it was wow. all at once. And incredible lesson. Best thing I ever could have done. Yeah. And that's, you know, Gary V he's, he's notorious. He says this all the time. Um, he says, hiring is guessing firing is knowing. Um, and usually when you, when you have that feeling that, man, you know, I want to let someone go. That's, that's almost like the, any minutes that, that you take afterwards, not doing it, you're almost doing a disservice to your team and to that person and all this, but you know, there, there is, you know, there's a lot, especially if you're a high EQ person, you know, if you actually give a damn about people, that's tough, you know, that's really mm -hmm. tough. And I haven't had to do that in real estate yet, um, but I've done it in the past and yeah, it's never a good feeling. So um, was that your first time firing someone? 
No, not my first time, but <clears throat> first time firing like four people at one time. And ultimately I stopped marketing in certain areas and gotcha. um, it was just a, it was a huge blow because I thought I had failed and, you know, my ego took a hit and another, my wife, once again, super wise. Cause I was like, man, I failed. And she's like, you think it, and this was right in the time when Amazon sent that email and like fired like 3,200 people. And she's like, do you think biz, big businesses don't fire people? And I was like, oh my goodness gracious. Oh, yeah. So it was just like part of business. Um, so Dude, your wife's like, a gangster. I love it. <laughs> yes, she is. Yes, she is. I, um, so if, if you could go, you know, if someone offered you an opportunity to go on stage and, and give a, a story of a deal that you did um, in land, that would just inspire people to really strongly consider, you know, the land business. What's that story? You know, I already told two of them. Um, I, I mean, I'll, I can talk about the one we just did last week. And it was actually, we sent out that land offer letter. And this is one of those slow burn type ones where we had to fix title issue after probate, after blah, blah, blah. The land was worth about $90,000. We offered 40. The lady signed it. Well, it goes to title and they're like, hey, there's a mobile home in this property. I'm like, oh, so we call the seller. She goes, yeah, my son lives in it. Well, is he like, okay with you selling it? <laughs> uh, yeah, he wants to buy it, but he doesn't have 40 grand. You guys figure it out. So we call the son. He's like, yeah, I'll buy it. Um, but I need you to, I need to make payments. And we're like, well, that's what we do. So hmm. what can you pay down? He's like, I give $5,000 down. What can you pay a month? He's like, I could, I could pay 900 a month and sent us his check stubs. No problem. He didn't, we didn't even ask him for it. Wow. So we had the cash about a year ago, whenever we started negotiating this deal and like two weeks ago, it's like, Oh, time to close. And I was like, well, geez, I just bought this, that, and the other, and I'm getting rid of these two flips that still are going to cost me money or we're losing money on. So again, hire a CFO and do the profit first system. Sure. Anybody listening to this implement profit first and a CFO sooner than later. Um, like before you start making money, because it's crazy what you can have by just putting away a few, few pennies, like a few percent. Um, so I was like, well, dang, I need 40 grand. So I called my mom, my mother-in-law and I knew they had some money they wanted to lend 9% interest. I was like, I'll, I'll give you 9% interest. We already have a buyer for 90,000 and he's going to pay me 9% interest. So mother-in-law lends all the money, no money out of pocket to buy this property. And we thought it was worth 90. It's actually worth like 140 with the mobile home. So mother-in-law is in a good position. She's only lending 40 on something that's worth 140. So she's covered um, as a lender. And we call the buyer, say, okay, sign the contract for deed. He sent us the five grand down. He's paying 946 a month. So it actually works out because he's got a 13-year mortgage. Um, it works out to 926 a month. We charge a $20 note service fee. So we're collecting 946. And my mother-in-law, her payment is 830 a month. That way she can be paid off in five years. And then after that five years, we're going to keep the whole 946 a month. So we we collected five grand down and we're keeping about 115 a month for the next 60 months. So that's works out to about 6,800 bucks. So five grand plus 6,800. And then once my mother-in-law's paid off, she's going to have 40 grand. She's going to want to invest again, by the way. Right. Um, and we're going to keep the whole 946 a month for the, the remaining eight years, which is 96 months. So that that's a little over $101,000 net profit 
on a deal that took none of my own money. Wow. And people are asking like, cause I, I broke this down on a, a support call with some of my land sharks and they're like, Oh, did you do a prepayment penalty? No way. Why would I ever encourage someone not to right. pay that property off? Because sure. the difference between 40 and 90, that's like 50, uh, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. I'm, I'm not the best with math, by the way. <laughs> that's why I have okay. accountant, an uh, in-house accountant. Right. <laughs> um, so I'm, I would rather get my 50 grand profit ASAP rather than wait 13 years for it. And how cool would it be if I paid mother-in-law off in like one year rather than 60 months, five for years? For sure. So that's my wow. favorite deal right now. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, last question for me. I, I'm just curious. What, what, what is your superpower, Brent? Um, I just take action. Like, you know, I already mentioned it. Like I heard it on a podcast. This guy's buying land and flipping it overnight and doubling his money. I was like, well, shoot, if he can do it, I can send out these postcards and just figured it out. Kept figuring it out and figuring it out. And the, the, the thing was I found success too quick in it. And I started making mistakes after that because I was getting mm. arrogant. So my superpower is just taking action. If I got to hire someone to take that action, because eventually you run out of time and then you'll hire enough people to help you. And then you'll run out of time managing them. So it's just, yeah, just taking action. Even if it's That's other awesome. people taking action. Man. Okay. So how, if someone, if there's any wholesalers out there that have land deals or come across land deals, do you want them to send them your way? Can, can you do anything with other people's deals? Oh yeah. I'll tell you that, that Hawaii deal um, is actually one of my land shark students actually, but she was like, Hey, how do I get funding for this? And I was like, I can get funding. Um, yeah. Send it my way. So, and I'll tell you, I'm being very uh, uh, conservative on what I'm buying right now. Sure. So I can't promise you we'll do a deal together, but yeah, I have people sending me deals all the time. I've had people reach out that, you know, have 150 K and they want 10% interest on or 9% like mother-in-law and we'll put their funds to work and we put them as a first lien. Uh, so they're protected and we try and be below 50 right. cents on the dollar. So yeah, we're doing deals all the time and uh, just marrying these things like those Hawaii lots. Um, I mentioned we're buying those for 87,000 and we should sell them all for about 390,000 because we're going to sell them individually incredible does someone mm. need to be uh in the land sharks in order to send you a deal no no way um just hit me up on instagram brent l bowers awesome awesome brother and where else can people find you you know what i'm trying to build my tiktok brent l bowers one um i'm putting out a video a day on how to do how to do land deals and uh just really grow in that tiktok's been fun Dude, I, I bet it's going to be amazing. One thing, so this is a long form, longer form interview, but I love your, your content, man. Like your energy is uh, great. You're very to the point um, with, with, you know, your information. And I, I really do appreciate your content. So thank you, man, for being an energetic force out there and someone who's willing to share stuff that people that have a scarcity mindset would probably hold back. You know, you're, you're giving away the game, you know, and, and your community, as I said, um, is is huge, and it shows. They they're very they're very supportive of of each other, and they love being in that community. So, uh, kudos, man, to to you for all you've done, and thank you so much, Brent, for your your time. Uh, Tanner, you got anything in closing, man? No. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. I I didn't say that earlier, so I appreciate you for yes. that, and obviously, want to thank you for your vulnerability. Um, 
on this episode, specifically, you know, talking about some of the things that aren't always the best in business. So um, just wanted to, to appreciate, take the time to thank you for that because not everyone does that. So no, I appreciate you guys very much. And I'll tell you those land sharks, the community really pumps me up uh, every week. I do a support call with them and we always start off with the win first. Like uh, before, like someone speaks is like, Hey, here's my win today. I got a land, a piece of land under contract today and I already have a buyer locked up. I'm going to make $4,000. I can pay those student loans off. Like those type things like pump me up and make me want to stay up late that night and go pick another land market. Dude, that's awesome. Well, bro, dude, Brent Bowers, go check him out. Thelandsharks.com. Um, and then you, of course, forward slash LOL. For, what was the other resource? Forward slash? Oh, postcard. Yeah, forward postcard. slash postcard. Um, and then on, on the socials, we'll definitely have uh, his information in the uh, show notes and in the description on YouTube. So Brent, again, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to meeting you. Where do you live, by the way? Do you live in Colorado? No, no, I'm on the east coast of Florida. You so are not far from you. Yeah. Okay, yep. perfect. I'm actually up, I'm up in Alaska, but uh, Tanner oh, wow. is. Uh, yeah, I live in Alaska. Tanner lives in in Oklahoma, but Florida is our market, and that's my home state. So we'll be down there next month, man. So hopefully, uh, maybe we can come shake your hand. Heck yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you again for tuning in, and uh, yeah, stay tuned for the next episode. It's been a been a good one, Brandon. Again, thank you for your time, man. And we'll, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you around, brother. Catch you later. What up, Elite Fam? That's a wrap for today's episode. But look, if you got value out of the show today, do us a huge favor and give us a review or give us a like or subscribe. Do all the things to help us get the word out. And look, we want to see you on the next show. So get out there and crush it, make it happen. Stay tuned for the next episode. Peace.